Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast, presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Luke Wyatt. Luke and I will talk about Vanderbilt's three-game winning streak in basketball and touch on some baseball and some football, too. Luke appears on the guest line. That is presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call at 615-830-9458. Now on to our interview with Luke Wyatt. Luke Wyatt joins us today, as he does every Monday. Luke, I hope you had a good and happy and safe Super Bowl weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I did, and if you're a Vanderbilt fan, for several reasons, you better, you've had a good, really good week, uh, starting back with the Tennessee game and the Florida game, and then uh, if you like, I said, if you're a true Vanderbilt fan, you enjoyed Tennessee's second game of the weekend as well. Uh, the odds of losing like that are pretty slim. That's the kind of stuff that unfortunately has happened to Vanderbilt in the past. So, uh, hope we enjoyed the week, and hopefully, there's more to come because we uh, seem like we've turned a corner, Chris. The uh, uh, the way we played against Tennessee was more impressive than anything. I thought Tennessee played really, really well. You, you know, they shot whatever 40 high 40s on the road. Uh, their defense was good, but we did a great job not turning the ball over, uh, never getting much separation either way. I think the game never got more than five points for either team. And then to execute a play the way we did down the stretch, that's about as good as you can end a basketball game. It's been a pretty good 10-day run for benevolent dictatorships. <laughs> you got that right. Hey, you know, who would have thought that losing by 57 to Alabama was what this team needed? Uh, I mean, since that game, say what you want, we've won three in a row, played just well enough to beat Ole Miss, and then uh, same thing with Tennessee, and then I thought, an incredible performance offensively Saturday against Florida. Uh, Therefore, while I didn't think anybody was going to stop scoring, I thought the score was going to be 120 to 118. Uh, But, yeah, just an incredible week. Liam Robbins, can't say enough about that kid, what he did Saturday. Uh, You know, that's that's player of the – surely he gets player of the week. If he doesn't, I don't know who played any better than he has last couple games. Yeah, he has had in the last three games, he has scored 65 points. He's hit seven three-pointers. He's been, what, 18 of 25 from the foul line, um, pulled double-digit rebounds in two of those three games. He's blocked, man, 14 shots over the last three. I mean, look, <laughs> there, there are many different angles we can take with this podcast today. In, including the what the bleep was going on before this. But Liam Robbins has been the, the linchpin of this whole turnaround, I think. 
Oh, there's no question. Now, there's been a cast of characters that have also done this, but I, including I including the one that he benched in Alabama. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what what I'm probably scratch my head about is go back to Memphis. Okay, let's start at Memphis. And the change of how we substitute, who gets minutes, who doesn't. And I'm not, obviously you throw out injuries and that type of thing. There's nothing any coach can do about that. But it, 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 you just scratch your head. Now, we're not at practice, okay? So we don't get what's going on at practice or we don't get who misses treatment, who shows up late for a workout or what that, those type of things. Uh, you know, in football, this kind of stuff gets lost because there's so many players on the field. You don't realize, hey, so-and-so didn't start today or so-and-so hadn't played a lot of minutes. Uh, it happens in every sport. But this and in basketball, there's only five on the court, so you're going to know everything. It's all out there for you to see. So in Jerry's defense, that obviously the Tyron Lawrence thing, he pushed the absolute correct button on him. Yes. Yeah, he he did. I and look. I think he and Lawrence have had a pretty good relationship despite what people have have said here and there. Um no look, I yeah. I don't think that Jerry's relationship with with anybody's been 100% all the time. Um I think there's times he's rubbed his own kids the wrong way. Um you know, I mean it, but yeah, whatever message he wanted to get across in Alabama, he he certainly got it across. Uh, and Tyron wasn't very good against Florida, only had four points, but he's kind of become that. And like my question was, can Jordan Wright be this guy? I just didn't know if Jordan was athletic enough. Jordan can do some good things, but Tyron is a kid who I, I think has got some some traits that you can bank on in terms of athleticism and a guy that can be your your number two or your number one some nights. And his development Robbins is the story of the season, but but Lawrence would be number two, I think. I, I do. Um, I think something that we figured out with Jordan Wright, I at least it seems, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but the, if he has limited minutes, he is much better basketball player. I don't know if he gets tired. I don't know if he uh, uh, loses focus, but if he plays 20 minutes, he's a lot better than when he plays 30. I don't know why that is, but if you look at the games where he's been in High minutes, his performance has, has not been great. Yeah, I, I guess the exception would be those NIT games at the end of last year, but that was different. Right. They had Pippen and you know, other people to, you know, to to be worried about. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I guess I'm, I'm bringing it – maybe I should be clearer. I meant since Jordan's early season injury where he landed real hard and he had the back issues – I think that's it. Maybe he tightens up right, a little bit. I don't right. know. And it, it, it could be coincidence. I, I don't know. But uh, the one guy I would also say that was the best recruit on this team, forget the five freshmen, it was Ezra Magnon. That without is Ezra, where I was going next. Without, right. Yeah, we don't get much done without him because, look, you'd be playing point guard with, with Lewis and uh, – Trey Thomas more than likely and then you know this team would really be in trouble yeah three game winning streak he's played 34 29 33 minutes working backwards scored 11 7 6 but here's the big stat he's had 20 assists to turn up to two turnovers in those three wins the the two turnovers is mind-boggling as much as he handles the ball 
that's a that's incredible. And I knew when he came that that was the thing he did a great job of at Cal Davis. He didn't. My most impressive thing about him, and when I looked at his stats, was the turnover ratio. He was really good. He's been better. And now that he's stepped up in competition, he's even been better with that. Yeah, and the thing that you heard Jerry Stackhouse, I don't know if he was this explicit with it or not, but he talked about how he thought they were, in so many words, a better team with Ezra running the point than with Pippen. I mean, Pippen was never his kind of point guard. He doesn't no, like his uh, point you know, guards to score as much. He likes them to, to distribute. And this is now look, I think he thought that their their <coughs> pardon me, their defense would be a lot better than it is. That has not held up at all. all. But no, we, offensively, I, this is no. the kind of point guard I think he wants. I agree with that. Uh you know, I I, I don't know Phil Ford's stats at North Carolina, but he reminds me of the way Phil Ford would handle the basketball, that type of thing. So that's where that kind of probably comes from. Uh, maybe that's what he played with at North Carolina. Um, and, and I think he, if you listen to Jerry, he draws North Carolina like a gun. And understandably so, they were very successful. But uh, everything he does basketball-wise goes back to Dean Smith. If you look at the way they played back in the non-shot clock era, I think Jerry yeah. would be very happy to play games that ended fifty-one to fifty. I think that I think the Tennessee game was right up his alley. The game was really physical, and the officials let people bang on Robbins, but they also let Robbins bang on Tennessee's bigs, and uh, that was the type of game it was. And I think he he thrives in those type of games. Now Saturday, there for a while, like I said, I didn't think anybody was going to guard anybody, and it was just like a YMCA game. Uh, but luckily, right. in the second half. Second half, those last 10 minutes, I felt we did a much better job defensively than we did the entire game because uh, we were lucky they weren't hitting any threes, and, and Florida's not a good three-point shooting team either way. But uh, it, it wasn't because we were guarding them tight, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, what what I got to watch, and I was limited. My son turned nine Saturday. Um, for him we had a we had a birthday party at a place called dad's dugout it's a baseball card shop in brentwood they're getting a free plug here because they were phenomenal um some i'm i'm watching the first few minutes at home and then i'm i'm running errands i'm picking up chick-fil-a and i'm i'm getting there and they they, we did have it on on the tv i got to see the last few minutes between you know screaming kids and chris would you please do this or would you please do that but um the the part i did see was was I mean, the first 10 minutes and one second where they don't have a stoppage of play, yeah, no I may fouls, never no see nothing. that again. It's crazy. Yeah. you, uh, Chris, there was never even a ball tipped. You know how during the flow of an offense you get a ball tipped out of bounds? There was never even that. Yeah, I, I know. I, I don't know that you could play a 1,000 games and have that happen again. Yeah. No. You know, you can't play a pickup game at the wide and that happens. So, right. It was – it's a good thing we hit nine out of our first 10 shots or whatever we did because whoever, if someone would have faulted during that time, somebody could have jumped out to a 15-point lead. And but lo and behold, Leon Robbins had 13 points before he had to come out or before My he came good. out. I guess he didn't have to. But, I mean, that that just – that I mean, I said we could go in different ways on the podcast today. Uh, that that yeah. is That is certainly – one thing that you could underscore as a point of frustration is like if you watch them, you're like, what is 
what is he doing? Why is he not out there? Well, more? but I, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I see that. But what I'm seeing in the last three games is this. Okay, that tenth guy that comes in the game has been different in the last three games. Like for instance, it was Noah Shelby and Anthong didn't play Saturday. I think it, there's matchups that go on that now early in the year when we weren't doing a good job necessarily, it was almost like we're going to throw this guy in and see what he can do. It's no longer the case. It's more well thought out. And I have noticed that maybe it's just because I've been paying more attention to it. He sure has talked a lot more to his assistants and listened to them more than he has in his whole career since he's been at Vanderbilt. And I think that's yeah. a good thing. So You mean besides Nicky Gross? I mean, you know, I, it's kind of like when I was growing up, my daddy beat my butt for not doing things right, and it took a few whippings before I knew to, to do right, to, 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 to act correctly. It's that type of thing. It took Jerry getting beat a few times to figure out, hey, look, I got to take this more seriously or we're not going to win any games. Yeah. Um, Here's the other guy we haven't talked about yet. Trey Thomas, I'm looking on Ken Palm, had an offensive rating of 258 in that game. Well, he didn't do any shot, did he? I, I don't think he, he didn't miss a shot. shot. 16 points does not miss a shot from the floor of the foul line. 28 minutes. Now, there wasn't much else there. <laughs> um, no. One, no, re- one, re- one rebound and nothing else. Well, that's what Trey is. If you give him right. open shots and that, and Florida was doing that, well, giving everybody, both teams were, that's the kind of game he could really flourish, and he did. Uh, you know, wide open shots for Trey Thomas is his cup of tea. Yeah. I he does you, that about two know, or three times a year where he just goes off right. on somebody, and usually they win those games. Well, I'm going to make a prediction that's going to uh, have you take a, raise your eyebrows. I think this upcoming game with South Carolina tomorrow night, the key to us winning, I'm going to give you a person you're going to think, Luke, you're a nut, is Miles Studi. And I'm going to tell you why. He has not played well in a month, and he's due to hit four or five threes in a game. And I think against South Carolina, because they don't play great D, this will be a game that Studi will play well, will be tomorrow night. Because they're going to need somebody else to step up. You're not going to get Liam to come out and score 30 again. Tomorrow yeah. night's going to be just tough to win as it was against Florida. Because Carolina's feeling good about themselves. They just want to add Ole Miss. Not that that's a great thing, but, you know, still, a road. they've now won two road. Their two conference wins have been on the road. And they're due to win a home game. And I know their head coach is preaching that. Guys, we got to win it. we got to defend our home court, that type of thing. Uh, knowing that they took us to overtime in Nashville. So we're going to get their best shot tomorrow night. That's for sure. But I will say this, Chris. Who would have thought? Even its first year before we played a game, that we'd be sitting here at the we're we're number seven in the SEC. We would be the number seven seed if the tournament started today. Yeah, I mean, before the season, it was not. I would have had a hard time believing it was not incomprehensible, though. It's just the way they started. It was much harder to believe, you know, two three weeks ago than it is now. Obviously. Yeah, and and to think that LSU would be one in eleven and. Ole Miss would be one in ten. No one would have thought that. I wouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina has not won a home game since Friday, December the thirtieth, against Eastern Michigan. Lost five Damn in that- a row. Has lost them by let's see, by forty-three to Tennessee, 
by 41 to Texas A&M, 12 to Ole Miss, 15 to Auburn, 15 to Mississippi State, and 2 to Arkansas. Uh, it it beat Ole Miss, which it lost to at home on the road. So I think that – now, again, you know, last time out at home, it it did take Arkansas to the finish. So there was that. So maybe they're getting a little better. But the others have been just bloodbaths in Columbia. That's what I'm saying. You know, they've had nobody there. The students aren't showing up. Um, You know, we talk about Vanderbilt having poor crowds. It's been zero people at that game. And when you're in that's the, the worst job in the league. Right now it is. There's no question about it. And I, you know, it's funny. Who would have thought that that team, Frank Martin took that team to a final four not long ago. That's how, yeah, that's the randomness that. of basketball. They've never been back, never been back to the NCAA nothing. tournament since going to the final four. They got nothing out of that run. It's kind of like Georgia basketball. You know, remember the year after Dominique Wilkins left, they went to a final four in 1983 right. and then, Ever sniffed it after that? Uh, it's just, it's just odd. Not, not capitalizing on uh, doing something great like that. Let's go to the mailbag, and then let's hit a little baseball before we end today. Sure, if that's cool. Yeah. Okay. The mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at six one five eight four six sixty two hundred. See what your rights are and if they can help. All right, I'm going to start with the basketball ones first, and then we'll go to the other ones. Papa Hick 4 vu asks, do you believe Stackhouse is finally quote-unquote getting it as it relates to managing a roster, or can we expect him to take two-thirds of the season, I think he meant to say, off again next year before he figures it out? This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster. So go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Well, I don't know whether he has or not, but he better not. And I have said this all along. If you remember when we were talking about about midseason, I said the minimum this team can do, they got to get back to the NT. I still believe that. The minimum we do. And then next year, the minimum they do is make an NCAA. Look, we can say what we want about all of this, but if we win two more SEC games, I think I'm correct when I say this, he has won as many SEC games as Kevin Stallings did in his first four years. And no one was wanting to fire Kevin Stallings. after. Now, I would have never thought that, but I look back, and sure enough, that's the case. Um, so, you know, and if he wins more than two, then he's surpassed Kevin Stallings. So we have yeah. to look at that. Be fair. We have to. 
Um, and I think, I think next year, like I said, we got to go to the NCAA. How you do that without Liam and a couple of others, uh, unless you get someone else in the transfer portal uh, and you have all five freshmen come back, which now I talked to someone over the weekend. I'm hearing that they're all happy and that they're all coming back and none of them thinking about transferring after hearing just the opposite two weeks ago. So, oh, you hey, look. That that is that has been a hot topic of conversation a lot of places. I I was not hearing the whole mass exodus stuff that everybody else had. Now maybe it was out there, and I wasn't looking under enough rocks. But I didn't buy that narrative. I've got my criticisms of of Jerry. Uh, you, you know them well. Uh, they still, uh, I, I'm still right. very skeptical about a lot of those things. That was not. And, and look, some of that is just you hear that every roster. This guy's leaving. You don't really know, for the most part, what that's going to look like until season's end. Right. Now, the one I did get a a, a confirmation on was the Tyron Lawrence thing. Right. Which that one, doesn't yeah. Matter. That was a little it different. It doesn't matter if someone's but. reaching out. You know, I, all, all I know for sure was someone reached out trying to get him to leave Vanderbilt. Now, not that Tyron was reaching out to someone else about leaving Vanderbilt. It was vice versa. So, you know, Tyron may have squelched it that day. Who knows? But anyway, I, if all five of those kids come back, uh, you got to figure three of them are going to pan out, I think. Uh, you can just kind of tell that, you know, winning solves everything, Chris. We talked about it before. You know, the popcorn tastes better. Everyone's happy. You know, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, even if you don't like Jerry or you do like Jerry, you can't help but have had a good week. If you haven't, then by gosh, you better cheer for another team because to beat Tennessee and break their hearts the way we did and then turn around and play really well at Florida, which I'll be honest with you, if we'd have done this podcast Friday, I would have been very skeptical that we could have gone down there and played so well after an emotional win at ten, against Tennessee. And to do that, you got to be happy. And you, it's all in front of you now. Now, it's asking a lot to run off three or four more wins here, but if they want to get even sniff the NCAA, that's what they're going to have to do. I just don't suspect that a lot of lofty expectations were being foisted upon him. I mean, the, the way, the casual way that he took the pre-conference, the justifications that I heard coming out of McGugan even before the Tennessee win, uh, the, the excuses were flying left and right for him, and um, you know they they had sort of boxed off all the bad and excused it and had, um, you know, very much put the highlighting pin on the good part, I think is a good way to put it. Um, and, and look, when you don't have expectations that are communicated above your head, I, I wonder sometimes, is that fair to say that's how you get what you get? It is, and I think Vanderbilt is historically, and I go back to the seventies when I first started working at Vanderbilt when I was. There, young. there have always been low expectations, but I, I always, think I always, think the last few years it has been taken to a new level in some ways. Yeah, for other reasons too, may I add. But the the one thing that that I think that we've kind of looked at, okay, we're getting ready to make the football stadium a little nicer. We're getting ready to do this huge project, which is great. But it's almost like, well, we don't have to win till we get that done. No, you got to win. I don't care if you're playing in a barn. You got to win now. You know, that's where that's where they differ from the fan base. The fan base doesn't just because we're going to have something shiny and pretty 
two or three years from now doesn't mean that excuses you from winning now. And that's what has to happen. Win now. You know, the, the five years of losing is enough for any, any fan base. Yeah, I, I think people should should buckle up and expect a few more years of this at this point. I could be wrong. Uh, again, I, I, I could always – I think the chance was a bit of a wild card there, but it just – I hear a lot of um, – the, the, the rationalizations and justifications are a little different, but I hear a lot of the same approach to Jerry that I heard with Derek. Well, I'll push back on that because I think uh, – the reason for Jerry changing is because the heat was coming. I mean, look. Yeah, no, I do. I, I do who, suspect that's true too, right? I mean, now I don't know I don't, where it was coming from, um, and I right, don't know I why don't it either. took so long. But well, yeah, I said this before on a couple of podcasts back. When that chancellor starts getting emails in his computer, that's when conversations go on. Yeah, and I think that's what. I think that's what happened, honestly. That's my opinion. I, I think extending him before the season sent a bad message. I wonder if the messaging had been a little different, if there wouldn't be a couple more wins on the resume, and then it's a very different conversation if they can pick up a few down the stretch that I think they can. You're right. And and here's the other thing about extending. I've been at Vanderbilt when they've extended coaches for a a short period of time like they did Jerry, but they didn't publicly make that knowledge. I mean, they didn't make it public knowledge. You don't have to announce that you've extended him another year. Just let him still do that during recruiting, and it probably never gets out. Who, You know, well, we never heard anything about Jerry. Is he here two more years or what? You don't have to bring that to public knowledge. Okay, next one. Door fan six. Do you think the Auburn game will be the biggest crowd of the year if they beat South Carolina? Uh, I think, and I, and I said this earlier, the max we're going to get in that gym period is around that 10,000. You know, Tennessee, I think their attendance was 10-3. So I think we're still looking at that. I don't think we'll get 10,000. It may be the largest. It may We may get to eight bandy fans. I don't know how many Auburn fans will show up. There's, there's, of course, every SEC team has representation in this area. Uh, after Auburn losing to their, uh, to Alabama, uh, kind of cooled their fans a little bit. But it is a weekend game. Those always scare me because people say, "Hey, let's go spend the weekend in Nashville and party and go to the go see Auburn play." That that may bring a few of them in. But I, I'm thinking not the largest crowd. No, I'm thinking eight thousand. I think it'll be more Vanderbilt than normal. I do. I think that got you maybe 500 more butts in the seats. They need to start marketing the heck out of 3F and 3L again, the season tickets. There's nobody up there when I'm in the gym. Those used to be packed. Um, I think that is a good chance to build the fan base as a value ticket. I really do. I don't know why they have gone away from that. Especially for families. I agree, Chris, especially for families because. It's affordable to have a family of four up in three F and three L. It's an affordable ticket nowadays. Yeah. But I back I go back to this and, and think about this. Just put this in your head. If you're a average Vanderbilt fan, not rabid, just an average fan, you want to see college basketball, man, it'd be tough to pass up looking at an eighty inch screen at your house or setting yeah. up in the nose section at a basketball game. It's just tough, man. 
It really I get is. it, but but you can when that gym is is rocking, it's fun. And one of the ways oh, is, yeah. one of the ways to get it to rocking again is have people in there. And sure. I think what they should do make them one hundred and fifty dollars season tickets. And then if you want to make the single game tickets fifty or seventy five bucks for Tennessee and Alabama and Auburn and Kentucky, great. Do that. That what that does is that gets more of your people in the building and keeps more of other people's out. Well, here was my suggestion, and and as a uh, as a fan, it will be a little bit annoying because of the high pitchedness of the voices. But you know how the girls, every the women's team every year has a thing that they have elementary schools bring all buses of kids to yeah. the game. Have them in 3F and 3L. A bunch yes, of that kids. would also work, right. <laughs> it would annoy the heck out of the visiting team. Just put them all over there on the visiting side. <laughs> so, uh, you know, th- and again, you, it gets no- it, that gym's so great when it's noisy. It is a tough place to play. I will never forget when, back in the days, when the glory days, when we beat LSU and they were ranked number one, they had a point guard. I think his name was Kenny Higgs. And he made a mention in the newspaper that he could not feel – he had to look at the ball because he could not feel his dribble. It was so loud in there. Coming back Man. up off the floor, you had to down the ball. That's saying something. Are they doing anything to market and build the fan base? You know, when I was there, they did nothing. And the, the excuse I kept getting was always, we don't have the money to – put in marketing which is a bunch of crap it doesn't take a whole lot of money I, I, see I, I think i think now it's down to strategy and effort i really do or yeah i do it. too I lack do. of both i do too. i do too look we went from having less than 100 people at baseball games to having thousands of people so if you win another big another big you mark yeah well, I was going to say, to be, to be fair, back when, when basketball was a bigger thing here and they were winning games, you didn't have to market it. It sold itself. But the the, the lack of realization that it's a, a different time now, uh, and then maybe, maybe it's unfair right. for me to say, when I go, I'm on a media pass and my experience is different, but I see the, the empty seats and I, I don't know, it just seems to me like there would you you could have a thirty minute meeting and come out with strategies that would uh, would be game changers overnight, but that's just me. Well, I pay for my seats, and so I know when they jumped up and went up way in the price. I'm like, why did you do that on the back of going three and fifteen, or or maybe it was the zero and eighteen season that the ticket prices went up. I'm like, why did you do that? They they thought that all those folks that have been paying for tickets for 35 years would just take it and move on. And that's not the case. You know, common sense comes into it. And so, and say, look, we're getting gouged here. The product's worse and you're charging us more money. Where does that, where does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. GLH four VU best case scenario versus likely scenario for sec tournament seating. Um, that's, that's a tough one to answer because you've got other teams to deal with. Ken right. Pomeroy, for the first time all year, has got Vanderbilt going 500 in SEC play, 9-9. Nine and nine. Games coming up, South Carolina away. I think they win that one. Auburn at home, LSU away. I'm going to give them one and one there. Florida at home. Um, Kentucky away. I'm going to go one and one there. Mississippi State at home. 
I don't know. I'll, I'll just ride. I'll ride. I'll ride. They can they can win all those games. I'm going to ride with nine and nine. Um, we we are in the midst of a stretch where they've played their best basketball of the year, and, and probably there's some regression due there. It's just my guess. Um, so if they go nine and nine, let's see. Ken Palm right now. What's that? That puts us at 16 and 15, correct? Uh, it does. It also puts them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, tie in a three way tie for eighth with Arkansas and Mississippi State. They will be one and one against those teams. Um, look, if, if so you're, you're able to go eight, if you're able to go eight and eight and well, depending on who that one, if that one comes against Florida, that would drop Florida to nine and nine. If everybody else goes according to form here, then you are looking at one, two, three, four, tied for fifth with Auburn and Kentucky. And so, win the tiebreaker, you beat Auburn. And well, it's a, it's a it's a three way tiebreaker at that point. Um, I'm, I'm guessing they'd well, since I gave them four and two and a win over Florida, that would mean a loss in Rupp. So they, I'm guessing they'd probably be, um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to give well, myself I a headache by doing today, the math here. Well, to simplify it, technically, and this is just a mathematically, excuse me, mathematically, we could finish still anywhere from third to eleventh is the way I look at it. Mathematically, that's assuming we win three. Yeah. That we go three and three, three and three or better. If we go three and three or better, we can finish anywhere from three to eleven. So it's too, well. I, I think three play. is three is highly unlikely because they're three games out in both the win and loss columns there right now. We win a lot of tiebreakers. We win a tiebreaker with Arkansas. We win a tiebreaker with Florida at the moment. Win a tiebreaker with Georgia, three. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't. It's just too early to tell. Well, I, I take that. I'm looking at the projecteds. Um, they they are right now. They're they're actually two games back of third. Um, Tennessee had split the tiebreaker with. But man, you that's a mass of teams. There's a bunch of seven and fives there. Yeah. Um, it's a big line. No no doubt about it. It is, um, you you know, but I, I think it is. I think it is highly unlikely that they get the Wednesday night game. I've been saying that for a while, even before it it went better than it than it was going a couple of weeks ago. I, I didn't. I was not convinced they were going to be in the Wednesday night game. I've been saying that for a few weeks now, and now I really don't believe they will be. No, I think we'd have to go one and five or zero oh and six to be in the Wednesday night game. Yeah, probably, probably yep. right. I mean, right now you've got. Ole Miss, South Carolina, LSU are virtual locks for that. Um, if they're tied with Georgia, they get the tiebreaker. Um, Mississippi State would be another team they could potentially tie with that's below them. Um, again, you can take care of the tiebreaker there. But, I mean, like even if State jumps them, which I think could happen for sure, I still don't see them falling below Georgia. You know, besides us on our, on our winning streak, and of course, Alabama, uh, Mississippi State's playing as good as anybody right now. They're finally hitting shots from the perimeter. You know, early well, on, they could, it, it was State's bad. was also a product of schedule. Um, State played 
Um, State played Alabama twice, Tennessee twice, and also played Auburn once, Florida once, which isn't easy. I mean, they they got a they got a brutal like draw. Let's shoot. I think yeah. our, you can attribute that to us too. We've done the same thing. We played Alabama twice, Tennessee twice, true Arkansas. So That's it's true. Uh, I, and speaking of that, one quick thing before we move on. I think Tennessee has got a road in front of them, buddy. After losing again the way they did, you know, that that takes a toll on you. And then if you look at the next six games they've got, they only have one automatic win left, and that's South Carolina at home. Those other yeah. five, they could they could those are fifty fifty games at best. Yeah, they, they are. Alabama, Kentucky, A and M, Arkansas, Auburn. Auburn on the road yep. where Auburn rarely loses in in Neville yep. Arena. Kentucky and Rupp, God only knows with those two teams at this point. Uh, and A&M on the road, nobody's winning College Station very much these days. So yeah. I can't for the life figure out Kentucky. I cannot. I, I don't. I don't get them at all. It's got to be internal, don't you think? It has to be. Uh, but and it, and I noticed something Saturday, and, and and I was watching their game. When, you know, Calipari and a lot of coaches do this. When there's something that happens on the court, they go down and kind of use a teaching moment to talk to the players. Not one yeah. player was making contact with him. Not one. They were all looking around him, looking above him, just like we're sick of hearing this. So not to say that there is issues with Calipari and his team, but I can see that. I really could. Oh, I, I think there are. I was watching the body language on the bench the other night. Um when they got whipped by who was it? Um, I'm not sure. Hang on. I think it was I think it was the midweek game this week. That would have been Arkansas. Uh Arkansas beat them by fifteen yeah. in Rupp. And and they were you had kids smiling. Um you had some weird things going on there. I'm I am i am telling you, I'm I'm not shocked. I would not be shocked if Vanderbilt went up and won at Rupp. because uh, we'd if Liam's healthy still, and yeah, that's yes, uh, yeah, you, like, need, yeah. you need Robin's healthy, but well, what what were the games? Can you refresh my memory, Chris? What were the games we lost or won when Liam was out? I know we won at Georgia, which I think is probably the biggest game that we won because we didn't have Liam. What other games did Liam miss? He missed. He missed A and M. Would have made a difference there. Kentucky at home. Should shouldn't have made a difference there, although they lost by sixteen. So that that one is hard to argue. Uh, they won at Georgia. They did not beat out. Al- they weren't beating Alabama here either way. Did he play against Missouri? He played in Missouri game. He did. He? he did. Played played twenty three minutes. Scored sixteen points. Okay. Played twenty three minutes okay. in Knoxville. Scored eighteen. Uh, So could have easily snuck out another win there if he didn't. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you go back and look at some of these games. Like, give him another five minutes, and I wonder how many outcomes flip. But that's that is another podcast for another day, my friend. (laughs) Let's see what else have we got. Um, I think. Let's see. Go doors ninety four. Have you observed any differences in Stackhouse? In the winning streak, 
Uh, you've kind of been over that. What do you expect the final conference record to be? I'll let you make your pick there. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to go 4-2 in, in the final six. So that puts us at 10-8, and eight, which would be 17-14. You're still in the same boat. I think you have to get to Saturday and maybe even win the SEC tournament to get the NCAA. Again, the factors. I tell you what's helping Vanderbilt is I keep watching these other teams win. NC State, Pitt, Pitt's now what are they? They're leading the ACC now for sure. Um, VCU, Southern Miss hadn't lost in forever. They're like twenty three and four now. So it's helped that the teams that they did lose to are winning. Uh, that's the one thing that's ha- happening. So it's gonna uh, it's gonna be close. I think it'll be close. I know all those stats tell you that someone's not gonna get in, but if you win. 10 of your last 11 or something like that. I don't know how they keep you out. You don't see very many examples of that. You know, there used to be a a factor that said, how'd you do in your last 10? Remember that? I don't know if that even factors in anymore. I don't know that they do that now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I ran some simulations on Bart Torvik, uh, even had them winning out and still not getting in. I don't believe that, but just... I don't believe that. the, the, The problem... You've got a bad loss against Grambling and just not taking care of business. You know, you beat an NC State, somebody like that. You, I mean, really, the only thing they did to speak of when they're out of conference was that win over Pitt, which was by one point. Yeah. So it's 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 really not a mystery why they are where they are in terms of, of no, it's pretty. It's- it's the non-conference, no question. If you, if you got to go back and look at it, that's for sure the reason why. If you don't make it, that's why. Okay. Um, I'm going to go to other non-basketball stuff. This is all blast from the past football. Ann Arbor Door, in another podcast, you mentioned Jerry DiNardo was in the press box during a Vanderbilt game before Watson was fired. Can you give more background to that story? Well, I mean, there's not any background to say. I just saw Paul Houlihan walking with him that morning we're setting up the field uh getting ready for the game against tennessee and uh i guess it was tennessee whoever the last game of the year was at home i'd say tennessee and uh he's he's walking around looking at things when no one was there it was four or five hours before the kickoff and then uh they're in the press box during the game that's that's the story (laughs) that's all there is to it there's no other nothing else to say Raiders 1967, can you give examples of how Barton Simmons has helped the football program, including an example of changes from how the prior staff approached recruiting? Love this question. I was just talking to my wife about this. What a great job Barton Simmons does. Listen, this quarterback from Canada that we just got committed, what Barton is doing is he's bringing kids and then we offer them and then all of a sudden you see these other teams are all of a sudden interested in them. It's almost like Barton's doing some favors for other schools. They're saying, hey, if Barton Simmons is recruiting him, let's take a look. And I don't think we've ever had that at Vanderbilt, ever. So I, I just feel like, I, you know, I, he's really, really good, man. He's, he, he, know, he can identify talent as good as any guy I've ever seen over there. He can. I think he's got guys that are, he sees as developmental players, and I think he's got those guys that are diamonds in the roughs that are three-star guys that can come in and help us right away. 
I, I don't know how good this quarterback is from Chattanooga. I only saw him play once, but he looks to be a – I don't know why other teams weren't on him. Let's see. We got a couple more, maybe just one more. Viaperior. What did Woody say specifically about the ending of the 97 LSU game with a missed extra point at the end? Uh, Then he's got another one, but I'll let you answer that one first. Well, there was just so so much in the locker. I just remember in the locker room after the game, the frustration had boiled over between us. Uh, I mean, the, the coaching staff. And uh, they were yelling at each other. Uh, they were trying to keep it. We're over in the corner where the players couldn't notice. But you know the players are devastated. Everyone's throwing helmets. It was. It was. That's one of the darkest days in Vanderbilt football history. Um, I may have told it before, but I'm standing beside Paul Dunn, who was the offensive line coach at the time, and I'm noticing that they are running the clock and that we're not even out on the field yet to run a play. And I said, look, they've started the clock, coach. And he took a swing at me and said, we got this. Don't worry about it. And I'm thinking, no, you don't got oh, it. Oh, man. He took a physical swing <laughs> and, at you? Yeah, you know, one of those, not a vicious, just one of, the, oh, one of those yeah, where, yeah, you yeah. know, you the army kind of backing up a child or something, you know, back up type thing. Not, not that he was trying to hit me, just trying to – he was frustrated that I was trying to tell him something to help him. You know, it, Heck, if I'd have told Woody, Woody would have listened to me. That was the thing. Woody and I had a great relationship. But anyway, I was just happened to be beside Paul Dunn, and I just said, it. look, there's the clock's running. And I was just like, no one's noticed this. And so that's when we got the second delay of game. And I'm like, man. It was just like I, almost like our, our staff didn't think we were going to be in that position to win the game. That's what it was. They were so surprised because we had not sniffed scoring all day long. Right, and then when Boone Tavares scored the touchdown to make it seven six, it's like, okay, are we going for two? Are we going for one? What are we doing? And it became a nightmare. All right, last one in the mailbag. This also from Viewperior. What was your favorite and least favorite logo? And was there ever a logo design that didn't make it off the drawing board that you particularly liked or disliked? Um, it's funny the Star V that they have now. You know how you get on the side of the press box in football on one yeah. end? It's got the – that one actually had been proposed back in the 90s, exact same logo, and it never got up. We, I used to just – what a, way we would look at them was I would order 20 or 30 helmet – different looks and helmet decals, colors and so forth, and then we'd just stick them on a helmet and see what we thought. Take them out in the light of day and that type of thing, see how they showed it the day game and all that. But that was the only one I remember that we had some really horrible ones. The flying. Oh, yes. Yeah. And and here's the bad thing about that. It wasn't even a decal. It was a sticker. And, and, and and everyone will know the difference of a decal. Oh man. It was like a bumper sticker. It was so weird. I don't know why, how that came about, but it somehow slid through. Um, yeah. But my favorite of all time is the star V no question. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why they couldn't compromise. And, okay, if you're going to use the new Chubby V, then put it inside the star, for goodness sakes. That would have that would have blunted a lot of the criticism. But, you know. It would have. And, and the defense is, 
Well, and the other defense of that is, well, look at Georgia. It's just a G. Look at Tennessee. It's just a T. They're saying, what's, what's, what's wrong with Vanderbilt being just a V? And look, in baseball, it's been a V on our helmets forever, and it's been a V on hats forever, and it's just a V. But it was just the shape of the V that got people kind of like, why is it a squatty little V? I don't, I don't necessarily love it, but I don't, it doesn't bother me either way. Just win. As Al Davis said, just win, baby. Yeah, the the one thing I, I'm not as big a fan of the baseball uniforms as some people are. I don't like the the all blacks; they're overwhelming, and I've never really liked just the the V on the cap. It was unimaginative. Use the star V, but um, you know, in terms of my my list of running complaints with the baseball program, that would that would be about the only one. Well, I, I'm with you. I don't like the Friday night pinstripe black uniforms. Never have. With the star V on the chest, I don't, I think it, I don't like that. My favorite uniform, and I'm probably in the minority, is the uh, gold tops with white pants. I don't know why I love them so much, but I do. You're talking about the uh, the very what's the word I'm looking for here? The the light lemon gold. Yes, the lemon gold. Yeah, yeah, those those are yeah. okay. Um, I don't know. What well, I like them is, if you look back in history, when we were a lot, because Corbs, he's not, not so much anymore. He kind of was superstitious, I think, because I remember at the SEC tournament, we wore those suckers like three straight games that we won against Florida <laughs> and a couple other teams when we won. And we wore them every game. So that's probably why I fell in love with them, because we were winning when we had them on. That's a good segue to baseball. By the next time we do a podcast, yeah. there will have been three baseball games played with four to five Which on I the horizon. Oh, you're going to Texas. That's great. That's You told We're, me that. My wife, yeah. My wife and I leave, uh, God, God willing, we leave Thursday morning. So, What's your gut feeling on this season and how it goes? Gut feeling? Uh, between 30 seven to 40 wins in that range. So you're looking at, you know, a, uh, be able to host a regional for sure. Uh, probably host a super. I think we're going to be right about where we're predicted. Top 10 type baseball team. I think we're going to hit better than we thought. I think there's more bats on this team. I think the pitching's going to still be solid all the way through. I don't think it's going to be dev- You know, you're not going to say, well, this guy's dev. you know, just, an automatic W like a lighter or a rocker, but you're going to have options in that bullpen to where you can get out of an inning. And I think yes. that's important. You know, that's just important. Uh, obviously now the one thing that I think is going to matter more than anything. And we've talked a little bit about this and I think you're doing some research research on it is the, the bats, the balls and checking gloves. When you've got teams that a pitcher is so dominant that it's silly. Uh, those three things I think are huge for Vanderbilt because I don't think we were one of those teams that in the NCAA was using cheater bats and that type of thing. So I think it's going to be advantage Vanderbilt. Yeah, it it is way under the radar, but there's a lot of stuff I think that's going to be changing and it's going to be SEC. It, it's going to be through the SEC, yeah. not the NCAA. The NCAA still firmly has its head stuck in the sand on this stuff, but I think the stuff that happened time. last season made a lot of waves behind the scenes, and you're they're they're mm. not making it public because I don't think they want to 
probably talk about it or have it in the narrative more than nope. than necessary, but I I think it's going to look different and and a lot different. Hey, and I don't care how they listen. I don't care how they got their information as long as they change it because it was obvious to me. And uh, I've been watching college baseball since nineteen seventy four. So, yep, I'm with you on that. Well going to be fun to have um a lot to talk heck we're, we're two weeks out from spring ball too my goodness that's all i need is one more thing to to track right now but uh and and chris if you want to uh i'd love for to hear your uh prediction for baseball oh man i've got a sneaky feeling it's going to be a good season if they get especially if they get close to 40 that's going to be a national seed. I love the way they have scheduled. Now, look, that could also turn sideways on them quickly. Yeah, um, it's yeah. You know they they pull uh they pull a one and two or an zero oh and three, and then it doesn't go well against UCLA. And look, they got a, they got a lot of time to make up, but it's it's going to be tricky. Um, they have not left themselves a lot of margin there in the schedule, but uh, the pitching depth is going to be crazy good. I talked to somebody over there Friday. They think their hitting uh, is better than perceived. Now, I, I, they don't also know if their pitching is um, – how do I say this? I'm not saying it's not special, but maybe a little bit overstated. Um, th- that's not me. That's somebody that knows it better than I do. So we'll see right. how it plays out. I, I've had a – I've covered Tim since his second season, and other than the first one or two where I didn't know how it worked and I'm figuring it out, I don't think that I've had a harder time sizing up what they're going to be than this year. Well, but but I mean I'm I I'm, I'm 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 excited to see it because there's like a degree of mystery to me that's really intriguing. My my gut is this is going to go a little better than maybe people think, but I I can tell you the reasons why. I can also certainly give you the reasons why not. Sure, uh, I think the biggest difference you're going to see in this team is that starters will be pulled quicker because of the depth. I, th- yeah. I don't think you're going to see a try to pitch his way out of a bases loaded jam after he's gone three and two thirds. Does that make sense? Because yeah, you know and, that, and that might go for position players too, particularly in the outfield. Uh, and, and I know you're talking different things. You're talking about within a game and I'm talking about, um, you know, week to week lineup stuff, but sorry, I, I didn't mean to right. cut you off there. No, no, I agree with that too. In fact, you brought up what I was going to say also next is that besides what I said about pitching, same thing goes for position players. If you got a guy, say the left field position, which there's probably three or four guys can play there, if you got a guy that go, is in a 0 for 20 slump, you can set him down and let him watch for a while and uh, put someone else in who's just as capable. I think they're just a lot of good players. Uh, there's not a lot of superstars on this team. There's not any Dansby Swansons and that type of thing. But I just think you got a lot of really solid, good baseball players. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. All right, All Luke, right. we will um, have a lot to talk about this time next Monday, one way or the other. Yeah, and if you want to contact me down in the, when I'm in baseball, I can give you some reports from live from the action. 
<laughs> yeah, I have a I have a feeling you and I will be texting a time or two from from Texas. So I will be here. Have a great one. But, all right, you too. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk, Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.